How can we image Christ well to our neighbors and expand our influence for the gospel? We don't want to hide from the world, but move into culture to influence it. The goal is not to withdraw ourselves so we never have to interact with non-believers, but to engage a lost world for Christ. I'm your host, Aaron Miller, pastor of equipping at Grace Baptist Church in Santa Clarita, California. Welcome to the Magnify Podcast. Thanks for joining us again, folks. I'm joined today by our friend, our one and only lover of hot dogs and cheap spy novels, our very own. That, I told you that in confidence. No, you, you, from the pulpit, you have. Okay, fair. Yeah. Well, I guess cat's out of the bag. It's our very own outreach pastor, Jared Burkholder. I really hard, worked hard on the intro and you, you butted in there. We're not going to redo it. We're going to leave this in. Yeah. Welcome is, to it. This is behind the scenes here. <laughs> Well, folks, as you can tell, Jared and I feel very comfortable with one another. We actually did ministry back east before we came to Grace. We we did a few youth camps together. and Yeah, I think we're going on 11 years of friendship and partnership here. It's fun, man. Thanks for being here. Before we get into it, okay, because we're going to talk about the, the topic of influence, something you preached on in our Foundations of Faithfulness series, uh, I want to give the people a little bit of a uh, get-to-know-you segment with Pastor Jared Burkholder. So okay. Okay. think of this like a lightning round. I mean, you know, you can ex- extrapolate whatever you feel like you need to, but don't go too too mm-hmm. too long, right? Is that the right word? You want to correct that? Not yet. I'll, I'll, get, I'll correct your grammar later. Okay. Thank Great. you, though. All right. First question. You ready? Ready. What useless talent do you have? Lawn games. I'm sorry? Not good at sports, but I excel at lawn games. Lawn games. Any lawn game in particular? All of them. Lawn darts. Uh, bocce. Horseshoes. This is great. All right, number two. Olympic level is what I'm saying. (laughs) I don't doubt it. Number two, what is the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself? Oh, man. There's just so many. I make pizza every Friday, and I burn myself a lot. (laughs) Like you'd think you'd know. An unnatural amount of burns. You'd think you'd be aware of the dimensions of your oven, and yet. It's more the dimensions of my arms that's the problem. (laughs) This one's kind of a fun one, I think. What would your warning label say? Uh, I would say, I think my warning label would say, loves too much, cares too deeply, works too strenuously for the the good of mankind. I don't know. Just simple stuff. It was a dumb question, but I like the answer. All right, man, let's get into this. Like I said, uh, you preached on influence in the Foundation of Faithfulness series. And I know you're like me, whenever you preach or you teach, we learn and we deepen ourselves through that process. Um, what did you learn about living out Christian influence that maybe had not occurred to you before? It was interesting to consider a calling to expand our influence for the sake of the gospel. I think, you know, you just naturally tend to think of wanting to expand your platform as something kind of sorted. And, and there's mm-hmm. certainly a lot of pitfalls with that. Right. But to think about how, what are some ways that I could expand the influence of my family not for the good of my family or the good of myself, but ultimately for the good of the kingdom. Um, and so Pastor Dave was really helpful in this yeah. and thinking through joining uh, nonprofit boards or corporate boards or civic organizations. It, just the idea that the people of Grace Baptist Church would flood 
the organizations of our community um, to have positive influence for Christ in those organizations so that the indelible imprint of Grace Baptist Church could be seen all throughout the community of Santa Corita. I thought that was a really interesting idea, and I never really thought about that before. Right. No, that was very helpful. And when we think about the fact that God has placed us here for a reason, like we, right. we haven't crowd surfed our way to Santa Clarita, right? Right. Like we didn't randomly just haphazardly end up here. God intentionally put us here. And I mentioned last time with Pastor Dave, not only where we are, but when we are mm-hmm. for, yes. you know, a particular reason. So I think that when is really interesting, right? Because I think we tend to get frustrated by the cultural moment that we're having. And there certainly are frustrating elements rather than recognizing what is the unique opportunity that exists in 2022 in Southern California that did not exist back in the 90s or the early 2000s, right? So rather than, we talked about this with COVID as a church, right? That there is a unique opportunity to neighbor and image Christ well in COVID that did not exist pre-COVID and will not exist after COVID. So rather than always being frustrating by the cultural, frustrated by the cultural moment around us, I think there is a chance to say, what is the unique gospel opportunity that exists here and that how do we steward that well? I, mean, I can't tell you how often I think uh, I would say, or, or maybe you would say as well to people, uh, you know, God's plan involved COVID-19 and right. they'd want to like punch us in the throat. I know, but they did a couple times, remember? <laughs> but it really begins to give you a different perspective yeah. on on kind of the big picture of where we're going. Which is the beautiful side of leaning into God's sovereignty, right? Yes. I don't constantly have to be frustrated, or the goal isn't to try to recreate some utopic society here that doesn't frustrate me or my Christian values. Right. A sovereign God is allowing things to happen all around me, and in all of that, there are opportunities to image him well. And that's that's my calling. That's my calling to do that. Yep, absolutely. And you do it well, my friend. You're a good preacher. So here we are in culture, right, as Christ followers. And a helpful layman's definition of culture is anything that mm. people who are made in the image of God apply their hand upon for the purpose of cultivating it, right? So when people create music or they paint a landscape, perhaps, they're creating culture, right? When people engage in politics or education or business and they create jobs, that's creating culture. Even when we would plow a field and grow wheat or corn, that's agriculture. Believe it or not, that's still qualifying as culture. So here's where I'm going, okay? What are some helpful things for our people to consider so that as they engage culture for the sake of Christ, they indeed are being an influence rather than blending in and disappearing into the culture? Yeah, in the sermon, we talked about two pitfalls to avoid, right? One was being so like culture that your presence isn't conspicuous, mm-hmm. right? And the other is really kind of moving away from culture in such a way you're isolating yourself that you also can't have any influence. And so I think something that's really significant to talk about, you see this in John 17 in the high priestly prayer, right? Where Jesus prays that the father wouldn't take his own out of the world, but that he would sustain them in it. Yeah. I think it's really thinking about how do we not simply recreate Christian versions of what exists around us rather in helpful, convictional, non-compromising ways. How do we move into culture to have influence? Because it seems like, in the last 20 or 30 years in conservative evangelicalism, there's been a big push to just recreate secular aspects without some of the secular ideals, right? And so like we have Christian schools and Christian sports teams and Christian civic clubs and Christian doctors and Christian theater troops and Christian bands and on and on it goes, really with the goal that I never have to interact with unbelievers, right? Mm. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not to recreate all these artifices apart from the world around us. It's to image God in all of them and to showcase the betterness of the king in everything that we do. So I think when we think about influence, 
the the withdrawal aspect that David's talked about is, is really significant, right? We're not at war. We're not withdrawing. We want to seek to be a witness. And being a witness means, we talked about this in the sermon, that I can't be less afraid of culture's impact on me than I am of missing an opportunity to impact the world and culture around me for Christ, right? So I really have to own that idea that God has not called me to come out of the world entirely and recreate things with just Christians Mm -hmm. in a way that still clings to my convictions without compromise. I have to find a way to engage unbelievers in aspects of culture. Right. So, okay, let's break that down in a kind of a Monday through Friday, regular, normal life rhythm. What, What are some helpful principles or questions that would be or serve as a guide for our people? Yeah, I don't want to step on any toes with this, but I, I think I think it's recognizing that while the desire to protect ourselves and our family is a good desire, it can't be an ultimate desire, right? And so just recognizing that very naturally, when I see things in culture that stand in opposition to God, those two ideals that David talked about with mm-hmm. war withdrawal are just going to be visceral responses. So some of us are just very naturally going to grab the sword and charge for the hills sure. and others of us are just going to run for the hills. Right. And so I think it's wrestling through at my kid's school, at my place of work, in my friend group, um, in all the interactions and circles that I have, the spheres of influence that I have. How is it that I can move with intentionality towards those people and engage? Uh, we talked uh, a couple weeks ago about Sam Chan's book, how to share Jesus without being that guy. Mm-hmm. And he just has this great chapter on how to ask good questions, right? And I think one of the best ways that Christians can influence is by learning how to ask good questions that not only seek to understand those that we're trying to influence, genuinely understand them, sure. not understand simply to, to um, respond, but to genuinely understand them, but then to seek to engage helpfully and winsomely and intelligently. And so I think recognizing we all have this impulse either to fight or to run away. Right. There's a better calling. It is to engage. And the way that we engage is by learning how to ask good questions. It's by some... leaning into the soccer mom. You're sitting on the sideline with someone and they're just spouting some weird stuff. It's by leaning into that, right? Rather than feeling like, okay, well, now it's, I got to pull out my sword. I got to beat this person or I'm going to move to the other side of the sidelines. It's going, help me understand that. Why do you believe that? And, and looking for an opportunity. Can I, can I share how what I think about that or what I think the Bible teaches about that? When you're in the break room at work, right? And people are talking about ideology or politics that might be very offensive to you. I think it's very natural, again, to want to just come down on people, but rather say, help me understand why you believe that. Um, what would be what would be the sense of morality that would undergird what you're saying or would lead you to those convictions? Can I share why I have a different perspective? That just reframes the kind of interactions and conversations that we're having, again, to not be so antagonistic, but to really allow sure. for a chance to dialogue with sure. the gospel. And those are questions for the moment, right? In the moment, in in the moment of engagement, in the conversation, uh, in, in the circumstance, any preemptive questions that might be very helpful in evaluating our mindsets, our hearts, um, before, say, going to work on a particular day, before engaging in a family activity in the park, whether it be my kid's soccer game or a birthday party. What are some helpful questions? Because I, I like what you're saying about uh, asking good questions because it then forces us to think forwardly, mm. right? It forces us to engage with the, with the issue at hand. What are some maybe good questions that maybe I could evaluate myself before I enter into any sphere or domain of culture? Yeah, among others, I think three questions come to mind. I think it asks, what is God's creational design for this part of culture? In other words, okay. what is God's intention 
right? What, what is God's intention for for me in this aspect of culture, and how do I how do I engage that helpfully? Right. Um, how has that aspect of culture been corrupted? Right. Um, so sin has this corrupting quality. Um, sure. God has this intention. He created people to image him. He gave them the ability to create, right? So there is this calling to create culture. Sin has corrupted our ability to do that. So how has sin corrupted that? And then how can I bring healing and redirection back to the power of the gospel? So how is it that the gospel then would transform right. this corrupted part of culture? Yeah. So if I have that as a preemptive mindset, I'm just asking questions about, like, look, I, I know we have people listening that maybe they don't like their jobs right now. They don't like their boss. They don't like their coworkers. They don't really prefer their neighbors or, or whatever. And so they know that they, they they are where they are. They agree with us. They are when they are because of God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. They agree with us on that as well. But they really want to be able to be an influence for the cause of Christ. And sometimes the moment it sneaks up on you, it trips you up emotionally. Maybe it stirs up some anger because of the way your boss handled something or a coworker handled something. Or once again, your neighbor has done something that's just... It's just kind of getting at you. These sorts of questions of, okay, I'm here. God has placed me here, and he's placed them here, and he's put me in this situation. You, you view the landscape of your life from his perspective and not your own. Mm-hmm. So you're asking questions not like, hey, God, why is this happening to me? You're asking questions, okay, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Right. Why am I here? Why am I here? Yeah. Like, you you, you saw this coming. Yeah. and I mean, indeed, you ordained this very thing. What do you want me to do? That's very helpful. And what is what does it look like to steward this relationship, this moment, this this opportunity that I've been given, right? Because I haven't been given given it gratuitously, and I haven't been given it simply for the benefit of myself and my family, right? And God's amazing sovereign kindness, He leads us into opportunities that both benefit us, but then also have this transcendent calling to image Him and represent Him well. So how do I do that well? Right. And if the only W, if the only win in that is that you learn to depend on Him more. That's okay. That's yeah. that's the win. That's the take. Yeah. Right. It's all. It it all goes back to him. Can I can I ask you a question? Please do. For uh, the parent, for the individual who really does feel threatened by the things that they're seeing in culture, and and feel kind of the oppression of that every single day. So I think of the person who works in an environment that really is godless. Right. That where so many aspects of the Christian worldview are being attacked. Not just. Uh, not just lived out in a way that's counter to what we believe, but actually attacked on a day in day out basis. Right. How would you counsel someone to live with gospel influence in an environment like that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm not so sure that that person should remain all the time. Mm. I think the great commission allows for um, us to be human and, f- and, and, and frail and uncertain. That's okay. It assumes that I think of the apostle Paul where all throughout the New Testament, he's showing great courage and boldness, and he's entering into cities where he's been stoned already, and he's going back in. And then there are times where you see the Apostle Paul, like he's fleeing mm-hmm. in the cover of night. And so how do you know when it's time to advance or when it's time to retreat? And I'm not so sure it's altogether clear in Scripture. I think what you have to do is you have to evaluate, and your questions that you asked earlier are very, very helpful. You have to evaluate where the heart of God is. Because ultimately, your life in Christ is about Christ. It's not about uh, your movement in the Great Commission before it's about your movement towards him. And so I, I know that influence is very necessary. Evangelizing the lost, it's, it's an outpouring and an outflowing of our Christian faithfulness and devotion uh, to God. But ultimately, 
if where we are in, in uh, whatever domain we're occupying is causing us harm in our relationship with Christ for whatever reason, that needs to be seriously evaluated. You may not be healthy enough, strong enough uh, to be the influence that you need to be. So I, I, I would slow down and I would take away from that uh, hypothetical circumstance any guilt whatsoever. Mm. And if you're asking the question, where's the heart of God in this? Where am I in reference to where Christ is? I think that's where you begin and, and you, you'll be on you know sure footing. But once you've done that evaluation and perhaps you realize, well, this is just the sandbox that I'm in. But if you're determined to stay in a workplace environment, uh, you're just in that sandbox with those co- coworkers, with that boss, with those influences that are antithetical to the gospel, like that's not gonna change. If you're committed to stay and you're able to stay, you must do so remaining prayerful. You must do so uh, remaining hopeful, displaying right, the f- fruits of the Spirit, the power of the gospel. Uh, you must do so, I think, seeking godly counsel, mm. right? And, and that involves, I think, the, the broader church family. You must do so valuing the gathering of of uh, our church family, because that's where you're going to get uh, rejuvenated. You're going to get the encouragement. You're going to get built back up on a weekly basis or more than a uh, weekly basis, and you're going to be sent back out. These things must be in place in order for you to continue to be the influence uh, that God would have you be. I think that's really important because you and I both worked in sales yes. uh, for the same large mattress retailer. Indeed. And I think it was during that season when I had a fresh perspective on the vast importance of the church for me to remain faithful the rest of the week. I mean, right. I, I'd grown up in a Christian home. I, I went to a Christian school. And was, this was the first time when I was in, not a hostile environment, but a really secular environment Monday through Friday for hours and hours and hours. And I realized that I desperately needed to be around other Christians, even if we weren't talking worldview stuff mm. or faithfulness or influence stuff. I just needed to be around other Christians to be reminded, kind of be brought back to baseline, yes. right? And that equipped me then to go back into the workplace and hopefully live with faithfulness. It would have been very hard to do that week in and week out had I not had the gathering to call me back to that baseline. Absolutely. Now, part of your original question was also, what do you do about your children? Mm. See, if it's just me, kind of in a unilateral sense, I, I, I'm, I'm entering to the domain, that workplace environment, whatever have you, um, that, that might be one thing. Now we're talking about my kids, though. Mm. I would just remind moms and dads that your ultimate purpose in life as a mom and as a dad, and this is going to seem extreme, but just, just hang in there with me. Your ultimate purpose is to prepare your children to stand before God in judgment. So that, that, that's the end. That, that, that is your great commission for your children is to prepare them to stand before God in judgment. And so if that's the ultimate end, then reverse engineer that hmm. all the way back as best you can. I understand I'm talking big, big ideas here, but walk it back to where you are presently in the present circumstance where your kids are being educated, where your kids are being influenced. It could be a sports team that is causing your son or your daughter to uh, to be influenced away from Christ. And it seems it might be insurmountable for them. You need to be aware of that, right? You need to have helpful, healthy conversations with other mothers and fathers who are seeking to do the same. Again, roping back in the value of, of the church as we parent together, right? Yeah. Yeah. I only have a kindergartner, so mm. tell me what you think about this. You have, have kids that are older than mine, but I think it's very natural, especially given all that is increasingly being pushed through the public education system towards mm. our kids. 
it's very natural to want to withdraw from that. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly we would recognize the wide latitude that Christian parents have to, to choose education options for their kids that best fit their family. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely affirm that. Right. From an evangelistic standpoint, it seems to me that there's there's great opportunity if our kids remain in those environments, that we get to disciple them about how to think critically with a Christian worldview as they engage the things that the world is talking about throughout the time that they're in our home, yeah, it's a must. rather than right. we hide them from the world. And then when they're 18, we shove them out of the nest and go, well, good luck. Right. right? I mean, we, we have to parent for the sake of uh, preparation to be in the world, for the sake of the gospel, not for the sake of isolation. Mm hmm Yes. So, so yeah. whatever, whatever, you know, educational domain parents choose for their children, homeschool, private school, public school, right? The great debate. Uh, no matter what, the ultimate goal is to prepare them to live Christianly. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And right. for, so that might mean that will then inform yeah. th that decision making process. Right. It's that, the goal that matters. So, uh, right? The means right. matter less. Absolutely. Right. I, mean, I think by way of analogy, I went to a very conservative college. And there were a lot of rules about the kinds of things you could and couldn't do. And so we weren't allowed to, to watch movies. We weren't allowed to listen to secular music. We weren't allowed to go to the movie theater. And retrospectively, as I got out and looked back, I thought, you know, I wasn't super equipped in college. Not that it's the job of college to do that. But I wasn't super equipped in college to know how, as a Christian, to make informed decisions about the kind of media content that I was going to consume. Because it was just, you just can't do it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think there are times as our, as our kids are forced to interact with ideas that make us very uncomfortable and are obviously very antithetical to the gospel and the ideals and ethics that are presented in scripture. There's a way for us to, to continue to disciple them how to think Christianly through that so that when it comes time for them to make their own decisions, they're not having to do it you know, in a total blank slate. We've been walking with them. We've actually watched them make mistakes. And we've had a chance for to, to parent them and love them through that. I just think there's great opportunity there, which really does tie in then to how do we navigate as a family? No right or wrong, no one right answer. Right. How do we navigate as a family? The extent to which we engage culture, the extent to which we protect our kids. It's not an easy question, but it's really worthwhile asking because like you said, the goal is I want to have, I want to have kids that are worshipers of God who are equipped to live right. in the world in the right way. Right. And when it comes to this, uh, moms and dads, you just got to know more is more is caught than taught many times when it comes to engaging culture for the sake of Christ. Your, your kids will uh, watch you in, in this process, how you interact with your neighbors, how you interact with a waiter or waitress, right? How you interact with a salesperson or uh, how, how you interact with a coworker, whatever. They're going to watch you and they're going to learn from you. And that should terrify you mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, right? right? Yeah, we and we we as parents we're not perfect, and we have a lot to encourage one another with um, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm, I'm just curious, who have you seen do that well in your life? Yeah, I can think of a couple people who go to church here who I've just observed be really conspicuously present in the spheres in which they run. So their job, their kids' sports teams, their kids' schools, mm -hmm. and then do this amazing job amazing job of integrating their Christian friends alongside their unbelieving friends so that the the, the net outcome of influence is that um, people who would never normally meet a couple Christians have a chance to meet more Christians. Again, not to keep referencing this, but Sam Chan talks about this, that mm. if you meet one person who believes that aliens exist, you're going to write that person off as crazy. If you meet a hundred people that believe aliens exist, you're going to start to think, well, maybe I'm the crazy one, right? He has this analogy or he uses that analogy to say, 
one of the greatest things we can do if we have unbelieving friends is to introduce them to more Christians, just to show them mm-hmm. that believing in the gospel isn't actually crazy at all. There's way more people than you think, and that there's a there's a greater chance for more people than to have an influence on those towards Christ. Um, so I just value, there's, there's yeah. a lot of families like this at Grace who just do a really good job being present in their sphere yeah. of influence, but then also folding in their Christian friends so that it's not just them influencing yeah. these people right. for Christ. They're bringing the whole army of Grace Baptist Church oh, to absolutely. do that well. I mean, I don't want to name them, but as you're describing that, I, I'm thinking of names of families as we speak. So, some of them we've had as guests already on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. God's been very faithful to place families like that in our church. And I've learned a ton from families at Grace that just do that so well. Yeah. For families for whom it's not an academic exercise. They just, this is the way they live. They have this conviction and it's conviction drives the way that they live. Right. That's great. Any resources come to mind about what you could direct our people towards? Yeah. And that's a great question. I think there's several resources that I would want to push our our listeners to. I mean, there's a lot on this topic. I, I always, if you have not read Lewis's Mere Christianity, it's just such a category framing book. And the way that he incrementally leads people to think about having conversations about God is just is fascinating. And it's it's pretty accessible. I love Schaefer on this topic. The God Who's There is just a phenomenal book. And again, it's category forming and really equipping. Um, and like Mark Dever likes to say, right, there's a lot of big ministry to be had even in smaller books. And so one you had recommended is Reclaiming the Center, uh, edited by Millard Erickson and some other guys. And uh, just, again, is, is really category shaping and helpful in equipping people. So I would start with those, again, uh, great, great books out there. But I just can't get past Schaefer. I really would recommend almost anything Schaefer has written is really phenomenal, especially The God Who's There. Brother, thanks for being here. Appreciate you. Love you. Love you too, man. Well, folks, hopefully you'll be able to join us next time. We're going to dive into the topic of education. Hope you'll join us next time.